So my name's Chris, and I just want to add my welcome to you. Maybe you've never been to a church before, and maybe this is just all brand new to you. Well, it is so brilliant to have you here with us today. Um, What a great morning it's been, hasn't it? Seven people from different places around the world, each with their own unique story of meeting Jesus and having their lives changed by him. Different stories, but the same Jesus. And he just loves to meet with each of us personally and individually. He meets us right where we are. And you know, he knows and loves every person here today. I really believe he wants to speak to you very personally this morning. So, a little bit more about me. I'm Chris, as I said. I'm married to Jen. And now Jen is amazing. She's an amazing mum to our daughter Amelia. She's beautiful, she's funny, she's kind, and she is talented. And she has one particular talent that I know you are all going to wish that you had. I don't know if we should maybe call it a talent. It's more of a knack. When she travels by plane, she has this amazing knack of getting upgraded for free. (laughs) Jen has been upgraded on more flights than anyone else that I know. Before I met Jen, I had never been upgraded, not on a plane or a train or anything else as far as I can remember. But for Jen, this just happens all the time. She doesn't even ask for it. It just happens. One time, she was checking in online on the morning of a flight, and she noticed that there was this special offer that she could get upgraded to Economy Plus or whatever the you know, next rung up is for something small, 20 pounds or something. So she thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. So she bought the, that upgrade, and then she set off to the airport looking forward to her tiny little bit of extra legroom that she was about to get. And then she got to baggage drop, and the person at the desk said, well, I'm pleased to tell you that you've been just upgraded again for free and you're going to be flying business class today. (laughs) That never happens to me. (laughs) Or at least it didn't until I met Jen. (laughs) You see, I I should say, Jen's from the States, so we try and get back to see uh, her family and her friends uh, when we can. And one Christmas a few years ago, and we were waiting to board our aircraft at Heathrow, and it wasn't going well. We were at the gate, but there was a really long delay, and it just went on and on for hours. I wasn't in a very good mood. You know, just everyone's just sitting there waiting. You don't know when it's going to stop. And then they finally called us forward. And Jen and I are in the queue, and we get to the front of the queue, and we sort of wearily hand over our boarding passes. And the flight attendant takes them, and she scans them, and she's just about to hand them back when she kind of looks down at her screen and is like, oh, there's been a change to your tickets. And I'm like, oh, no, it's a pessimistic person I am. I assume the worst. We're not going to be sitting together. My precious aisle seat is gone, or something along those lines. <laughs> So she's got the boarding passes, and she literally just pairs them up in front of us. And I, like, I I just panicked. I just looked at Jen, and Jen was just standing there, and she just had this knowing smile. (laughs) I know what's about to happen here. And sure enough, the attendant printed some new boarding passes, smiled, and said, congratulations, you will be traveling World Traveler Plus today. Enjoy your flight. Now... 
There's not a whole lot of difference between world traveler, i.e. economy, and world traveler plus, but I milked it for all it was worth. I sat down in my slightly wider than normal seat. I stretched my legs out as far as they could go. They come round and offer you drinks before you've even taken off. And it's not in a little plastic cup. It's in an actual glass. But my favorite bit, the very best bit, was how they do the meal time because um, instead of just uh, asking you what you want, like they do in economy, they give you a little menu. Now, it's the same option as you get in economy, but it's printed on little bits of card. It's so cool. Just brilliant. I was taking selfies, sending them to my family. This was, this was a real moment for me. It was brilliant. And it feels great to be upgraded, doesn't it? We all love an upgrade. We all want our lives to be just that little bit better. We spend a lot of time and energy and money trying to make those little improvements to our lives. So we search for a better work-life balance, better paid job, improved fitness, more fun, less stress, whatever it is. It's not surprising that we care about those things because I think... Most of us have a sense that life isn't quite what it could be. So we strive for improvement, assuming that one day we will find what it is that we're looking for. Advertisers know this, which is why some of them make outrageous claims to improve your life. Does anyone know uh, whose slogan this is? Believe in better, anyone? Sky TV, that's right, well done. What about this one? A better life, a better world. It's maybe a bit more niche, this one. Anyone? This is Panasonic, who make TVs and (laughs) stuff like that. But this one is my personal favorite. This is living. Any guesses? That is Sony's tagline for the PlayStation 3 games console. (laughs) As though sitting in your bedroom playing FIFA is the high point of life. (laughs) Now, it might be tempting to sit there and listen to the great stories that we've heard this morning and think to yourself, That all sounds very nice. Jesus has provided a little upgrade and helped these people's lives get a wee bit better, much like Sky TV or the PlayStation 3, as though following Jesus is is just an add-on that helps some people through life. But you know, that would be to entirely miss the point of what's happened to these seven people that we saw today and what's happened to every Christian around the world. You see, Jesus didn't go around telling people that he could make their life a bit better, although he does. Instead, he said things like, I am the life, and I came that you might have life. In fact, if you look through the Gospel of John, which is just one of the four biographies that we have of Jesus' life in the the Bible, 
you'll see Jesus claim that he is the life or the giver of life at least 25 times. And others say about that same thing about him many more times on top of that. So why does Jesus talk like this? Why is he so insistent that our greatest need is to have life? Aren't we alive already? Sure. But we can be physically alive with a beating heart and lungs full of oxygen without truly living. Furthermore, every one of us will die one day. Jesus is talking here about life in its fullest sense. Our soul, our mind, our body. This is eternal life. And Jesus wants to give us life as it was always meant to be. Do you ever feel like something's missing? Like there must be more to life than what you're experiencing? I think many people live with that feeling and it drives us to try and improve things through relationships, through work, through acquiring more and more stuff or more and more knowledge, whatever it is. But Jesus tells us that the problem that you're sensing is much bigger than you realize. And it cannot be fixed by just a few tweaks here and there. What we are talking about this morning is a matter of life and death. The Bible says, whoever has the Son, that is Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What you need is not an improved life, but resurrection. Our problem is what the Bible calls sin. And the result of sin is death because it cuts us off from the God of life. Sin isn't just doing the wrong thing or making the wrong choices. It's when we reject God, believing that we know better. We go our own way. And we have all done this. You don't have to look around at the world for very long to see that human beings have made a mess of things by going their own way. No matter how hard you try, you cannot fix this problem. Your own efforts to improve yourself are ultimately about as useful as an upgrade on a flight that's going to crash. What you really need, what we all need, is to be on a different flight altogether. But here's the thing. God loves you so much. He loves you even when you don't love him back. Even when you don't even acknowledge his existence. He loves you. He knows everything there is to know about you. And he loves you still. And because he loves you, he wants, he is so eager to give you his life, that full, eternal life with him that you were designed to have. And he has made a way through his son Jesus to have that life. So how is this possible? Life comes to us through death. The death of Jesus on the cross. It was mentioned in all the baptism testimonies. Though he was entirely perfect, Jesus willingly took the punishment for all our wrongdoing and shame. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament in the Bible, put it like this. 
When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Jesus asks us to put all of our trust in him, that he and he alone paid the price for all our sin. And the Bible calls this faith. When somebody puts their faith in Jesus, like the seven people that got baptized today, something amazing happens. They are united with him. It's though, as though when he died on the cross on their behalf, their old self, with all its sin, died there with him. But Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He rose again. He defeated death. I want to just invite you, if, if, you're, if, you, if that's new to you, if you're questioning that, I want to invite you to thoroughly investigate the claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Millions of people around the world have been convinced by the historical evidence that this is exactly what happened, that Jesus was raised to life. And because he rose again, anyone who puts their faith in him is raised to new life too. That's what baptism is all about. It symbolizes what's already happened to a person who believes in Jesus. Romans 6 summarizes it. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In order, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Why did these seven people do that really weird thing of getting in the slightly too cold bath of water this morning with all their clothes on, only to be dunked by their friends, some more aggressively than others, (laughs) and lifted back out again? Here's the picture. As they fell back into the water, that illustrated them dying with Jesus on the cross. As they were submerged under the water, that that told us that they were buried with him. And as they were lifted back out of the water, that represented the fact that just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, so too have they been raised to new life in him. If you've put your faith in Jesus, he took your death so that you could have his life. Here are perhaps the most famous verses in the Bible. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus doesn't want to just give you an upgrade. He wants to save you from death. And he rose again so that you could have an entirely new life. I want to finish by asking, what is this new life like? We've actually heard a lot about that already from the seven people who were baptized. And there is so much we could say about this new life of God. But here are five things that I want to say this morning about that life. The first thing is that it's a free gift. We receive it 
by faith in Jesus, not by following a bunch of rules. We cannot work for it and we cannot earn it. Dead people cannot make themselves alive no matter how hard they try. The second thing is that this life is eternal. Death in this life has has no effect on this life that Jesus wants to give you. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I think there's often this perception that Christians are just simply waiting to go to heaven when they die. Now, Christians will go to heaven, but the eternal life that Jesus wants to give you isn't just reserved for the distant future. It starts as soon as you put your faith in Jesus. A famous preacher from the 1800s called Charles Spurgeon put it like this. This spiritual life is the same life which will be continued and perfected in heaven. We shall not, when we rise again from the grave, obtain a life which we do not possess on earth. We must be alive unto God here. The third thing I want to say about this life that Jesus gives is that it is abundant. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That word abundantly doesn't quite do justice to the word that Jesus used in the original language of the Bible. It's it's not a particularly easy word to translate, but we could say something like super abundant or full to the brim and overflowing. To have Jesus' life inside you is to be the most alive that you can ever be. Fourthly, this life is full of peace and joy from God. How many times was that mentioned in the baptism testimonies when people were sharing their stories? The peace that God gave them, the the unexplainable joy in difficult circumstances. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The world is is full of anxiety and fear. The news is full of it. But even in the midst of it, Christians can draw on endless wells of peace and joy in all circumstances. Now that we have peace with God himself, what is there to be afraid of anymore? The fifth and last thing I'll say is that this life is secure. In John 10, verse 28, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Eternity with God is assured for all Christians. Nothing can change that. No sickness, no financial trouble, no hardship on earth. Being a Christian isn't just about burying your head in in the sand and pretending like everything's okay. But it does mean that whatever happens, you can be sure that your heavenly Father will never, ever let you go, even when your life on this earth comes to an end. You will be with him still in eternal life. So the life that Jesus gives, it's eternal, it's abundant, it's full of peace and joy, 
and security. And it's a free gift for all of those who ask. Why don't we stand together now and maybe the band could come and join me. Let's close our eyes. It's just a a moment right now between you and, and God where you can speak to him, where you can respond to some of the things you've heard today. Firstly, if you're a Christian here today, you have the life of God in you. And the only right response to that is rejoicing in gratitude to the one who saved you from death and brought you into life. I don't know, maybe you'd forgotten some of the truths that I've been talking about this morning. But lately you haven't been experiencing the fullness of that life that Jesus promises. Thank him for what he's given you. And ask him for more and more of his life every day. Because remember, it's abundant, it's unlimited, and he loves to give to those who ask. For everyone else, when we read about Jesus in the Bible, he brought life wherever he went. He healed people, he delivered people, he set people free, he gave them hope. He's still doing that today. It was so brilliantly demonstrated by the seven people who were baptized earlier on. He wants to give that life to anyone who asks for it this morning. His will for your life is that it would be abundant, overflowing, that it would be eternal, full of his peace, full of his joy, full of his security. We can only experience the life that Jesus wants to give us when we give control to him, when we hand him the reins and say, you're God, I'm not. So from here on out, You set the agenda. I'm going to follow you. Perhaps you've been searching for that next upgrade in your life. I'm here to tell you it will never be enough. It will never be enough. You need the new life that only Jesus can give you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to appeal to you. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and ask him for his life today. He's he's so eager to give it to you. There's going to be an opportunity to to do that and to, to ask him for that in just a few moments. You know, he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He made you. (laughs) The Bible says that you are his masterpiece. He wants to have an unbroken relationship with you. He wants to fill you with his life. Perhaps you've been attending church for a long time. But today you've realized that you have been treating Jesus, thinking of him as a little bit of an add-on to your life. Perhaps you've never really understood before that Jesus isn't about 
just making your life a bit better. Instead, he's about bringing you out of death and into life. You need to turn to him today and give him your whole life and ask him for his entirely new life in exchange.